Annyeong SAO, welcome to Afternoon of Delight, where Leah, Megan, and Amy, three American romance novelists discussing all things K-romance from a writer's lens. We fangirl over our favorite actors and actresses, talk up our trope addictions, and nerd out on K-drama deep dives. We'll throw in a few K-pop and K-skincare wrecks for good measure, because why not ride the haul you wave all the way to shore? So grab some duck bokeh and listen to your new favorite unease. Hey, everybody. Hello. Hi there. Leah's back. Woohoo! I am back in the God bless the USA. <laughs> <laughs> Where cereal aisles run for miles and miles. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, lots, lots of goods, highs and lows to being home. But yes, I'm here and I was telling Megan and Amy, because I always love to start with the most riveting of topics, which is the weather, um, especially like weather from like two weeks ago, by the time you're listening, but it's really hot. And in coastal California, it's really uncommon to have air conditioning. So I think in like Southern California, people like really like their AC up here. It's usually very temperate, but right now we're like sitting at like about 94 degrees here in Santa Cruz. And I just feel like, you know what? I might just like lose 10 pounds on the podcast just sitting here hot boxing oh. and sweating. <laughs> Dude, that's miserable. 94? Oh. Yeah. And I had to shut all the windows because I didn't want the outside sound. So you know what? If you are listening, I am literally giving you my sweat today. <laughs> my The sweat off my brow. <laughs> you did the Ken Porsche episode in your car at 6 a.m. And now I did. look, I have, I take it for the team. You do. You truly That's do. how much I like it. I know. I know. Well, speaking of riveting content, once the listeners are listening to this pod, the tomorrow episode will already be out at the, this time. It's not. So Leah hasn't heard it. But Amy and I talked about vacuums for like seven minutes. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> Was I talking about getting the new vacuum? I didn't have it yet. Oh, I, it was on my porch right after we finished doing that episode. I remember. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Well, you hadn't gotten it yet. And we were just talking about how excited she was. And it was very funny. And, well, it was funny for us. People probably lis- people are probably listening to that thinking, oh, my so God. So, wait, is your lead-in content tonight for banter to talk about the funny vacuum banter <laughs> from another podcast? Is that what's happening? I'm sitting here sweating for this. I mean, at this point, look, stay with us, people. (laughs) Oh, God, I know. Well, I was... But thank you, Megan. I appreciate that. I was really entertained. I was in... You missed it, all right? She wanted to let you in on the content that you missed, (laughs) the riveting content that you missed. We even said, we're like, Leah's going to be like, I can't believe you fucking talked about vacuums for seven and a half. I can't believe you're talking about it again now to talk... And you're talking about talking about vacuums. Well, I'm just saying I'm telling it like it is tonight. <laughs> well, I just got back from a signing. So that was very exciting. A book signing where I signed my alien romance books and it went really well. So yeah, we were in DC. And so Ooh. the humidity and heat there was unbearable. Like it was horrible, the weather, just because it's just so, it's so humid on the East Coast. Like it's like a wall of humidity. And the Midwest too. It's, it's, it's gross here. Yeah. So, you know, so I stayed in the hotel most of the time because I am a baby and I don't <laughs> like to sweat. But it was it was a really fun time, but I'm glad to be back. And I'm glad to be talking about K-dramas again. I'm very excited about today. I am too. 
It's a good I have topic. nothing. I have nothing exciting for banter because I have been in my house for the past three days with COVID. So that's why I sound the way I do. So my apologies. You will not get it from this podcast, though. I promise. <laughs> well, I'm sorry you have COVID. You do sound sexy. <laughs> And I do have something to talk about besides vacuums and COVID. <laughs> you know, I don't know if this is like, you know, oh, yeah, I think it's interesting. Okay. So I live really close to an arboretum. And an arboretum's like, you know, a botanical garden, except maybe with a little bit less interpretive material out and about. And so something that became like a very big deal in Santa Cruz was they were going to have um, the blossoming of a corpse flower. So the corpse flower is the largest flower in the world. And the one that they've had, they've been waiting for 10 years for it to unfurl itself. And when it opens, it smells like a dead body, <laughs> which is why it's called a corpse flower. So on Friday night, it became this thing like, I don't even know, like it took to like social media, it took to the news, it took to the like text messaging. And everyone's like, the corpse flower. And I was like, I've never even heard of this, but like, of course we gotta go. It's an event. So we get up there. And there's this giant ass flower that's like six feet tall. And they're like, look, we got a little excited because it also grows in like, I forget where, somewhere in um, like near the equator. And they were like, we got excited. We thought it was going to open. We wanted the world to like, you know, come and whiff it. And so we brought it outside and now it's too cold and it's not opening. And I'm like, oh my God, like for 10 years you've been waiting and you might have like blown it. And I was like, they're being very good about you it. You fucked it up at the end. <laughs> And people were just like, ah, it's not opening. And like, everyone's all pissed. I'm like, you know what, bitches, you never even probably knew a corpse flower existed like I did until like 35 minutes ago when we like rushed here to see it because it just became this like, I don't know, one of those like funny social events where like all of a sudden the world just is like, we must see this thing. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so they put it away. It was like, womp, womp, corpse flower like isn't happening. And then Corpse Flower decided to like give it a show. So yesterday morning, we trundled out to go see the Corpse Flower. It was open. It was beautiful. And it smelled like a murder victim <laughs> stuck in a pipe left in the desert with like blue cheese in its mouth. <laughs> That's crazy. And I was like, wow, I'm so glad we walked here to be like, yep, that smells like decayed flesh. <laughs> well, time to go. <laughs> I saw your picture on social media and it was pretty cool looking though. It is cool. And I guess so the reason it smells like death is its pollinators are flies. So it's like, come to us. We are a festering pile of something nasty that a fly is going to think is like Thanksgiving dinner and, um, you know, come pollinate. So that's why it smells the way it does. So anyway, that is my story. I don't know if that's better than talking about vacuums. I think vacuums are better. <laughs> Sorry. Like... <laughs> No, I but you know, nature, nature. I've heard of the corpse flowers and I knew that they bloomed like very rarely. And so well, I thought of you, Megan. I'm jealous. <laughs> Not because of death and the stank. Yeah. But I thought of you because I was like, this would be a good alien type of flower. Absolutely. Like I felt like you need to like kind of like weave a corpse flower like motif into one of your books because I think there could be something there. Well, I did just write a flower. So essentially the flowers are like guardians of like the this the gate of the alien like compound and in order they kind of like cover the gate and in order for them to get in they have to give the plant like a living sacrifice like like a rabbit or something i mean my alien planet's version <laughs> of a rabbit and then it like eats it and then it'll like open up to let them in the gate Ooh, i like it i was pretty proud of that yeah 
So that's, I guess my, it's uh, maybe I'll make it smell now too. You know, I gotta add, I gotta add all the senses into the scene, right? Yeah, I think so. And the segue we could do tonight is, <laughs> I was like, smells like death. Yeah. <laughs> you know, senses, sensory experiences are powerful as are the iconic moments. Well, I would say <laughs> these iconic moments in K-drama, you know, made us kind of, uh, use all our senses you know it's probably a good sound it's visually appealing maybe well there's no scent but you know what i mean i don't know that's my segue you can certainly imagine i can certainly be like oh i bet i can like picture i i could spend worse time than like imagining what like captain re smells like yeah or like a <laughs> like, stamp you know, i could spend a pleasant five minutes or a stampede of, of horses rushing through the kingdom of korea like we can we can we can imagine what that smells like yeah, like horse poop. Like horse shit, yeah. Me. Like, and I don't, you know what? <laughs> no! I normally don't think of that when I think of that iconic <laughs> moment. So thanks for giving me that now. <laughs> All right. Well, tonight, as you might have deduced, we are having a really fun conversation and we are going to be talking about iconic moments in K-drama. And this was kind of a serendipitous topic for us because we were on the Slack just kind of chatting about, you know, ideas for podcasts. And we actually had some other ideas for tonight. But then we just started talking about like moments that lived in our minds. And it became a really fun conversation. And we're like, actually, let's just scrap everything and have this be our podcast because it would be so much fun to talk about. Yes, like I'm very excited to talk about iconic moments. Like that is like, yeah, iconic moments that live in our head rent free. That is what we're discussing. And come on, what better topic? One note for tonight, too, is normally we try to do like a non-spoiler section and then a spoiler section. That's very hard to do with a show like this. Yeah. I think we'll be talking about different plot point elements in different dramas. And every once in a while, there may be something that becomes more of a spoiler. Otherwise, they might just be like scenes, but they're not going to like probably spoil the entire drama. But we'll try to like flag if we're going to get into something that's like an overt, overt, like you're, the cat's out of the bag right. if you hear. Like the drama say. hinges on this moment. Yes. Sounds good. And so, yeah, we will, you know, give you that warning. So if you haven't seen it and you don't want to be surprised, you'll fast forward. And if you don't mind, you know, we'll try to do it respectfully in a way that's not going to like, that will entice you to want to see it rather than be like, damn it. But pretty much everything <laughs> we're going to say tonight is going to reveal something about a drama that you haven't seen yet. If You know, like... It's going to be a scene that you don't know if you haven't seen it. So yes, we are opening up these dramas much like the corpse flower after 10 years. <laughs> I like that. Beating this horse dead like one of these stinky ass horses from the King Eternal. <laughs> I like the horse smell. Ruining my iconic moment for me Aww, with every no, I like word it. you say. Well, you know what? That is a great pivot to our very first category, which is iconic romantic hero moments. So, Amy, do you want to take the power back on an iconic romantic hero moment for yourself? I would, because I don't believe any horse shits on the streets in Busan in this iconic moment. They don't even have assholes in <laughs> No, they don't. In, the, in this parallel universe, these horses don't yeah. shit. Horses don't shit. Their shit don't stink. So there you go. This is an iconic moment in The King Eternal Monarch. If you have not seen it, I'm going to ruin the last sort of... 90 seconds of episode 11 for you. So you've been warned. It is my favorite romantic hero moment. And I've talked about this many times on the podcast before. So if this is new to you, 
then where have you been? <laughs> right? <laughs> talk about beating a dead horse. Like I will talk about this moment in K-drama anytime I get a chance. And it's one that I've watched over and over again on Netflix and on YouTube. So it is, of course, when Lee Min Ho as Lee Gon, the king of Korea with a C, a parallel universe to our universe, and his men are galloping through the streets of Busan to rescue the heroine Taeol, played by Kim Go-An. I mean, it is your knight in shining armor, right? He's on a white horse. He's got a sword. He's slashing at the bad guys, saying that he's going to save his future queen. It is like the most badass romantic thing I've ever seen. And it will forever plan a loop in my mind. And I am not sorry about that. And the horses don't shit. (laughs) (laughs) They definitely 100% do not. No shitting. (laughs) Asshole free horses. God, and what was the horse's name? Maximus. Maximus. Yes. Maximus. Yes. Maximus has no butthole. Okay, <laughs> so moving on to a moment that has nothing to do with buttholes whatsoever. This is a little bit of a spoiler, I think. Um, oh, it's huge. It's a huge spoiler. Yeah, it's a pretty yeah. big spoiler. Okay, so this is a pretty big spoiler. I just saw this so- today, too. So it is like, oh, I'm so excited for you to talk about it. Okay, so I'm talking about Itaewon class, and I'm going to be talking about something that happens towards the end of this drama. So if you have not seen Itaewon class, we are going to be doing a podcast on it soon, because there's a lot to say. But I want to just say that it's not a newer drama. It came out in 2020, but it's newer to me as I binged it recently. And to me, this became like really in my top echelon of romantic moments. And we will be getting into it more in our uh, 801 podcast because I believe that different hosts have different opinions on this one. We are a podcast divided on this one. We are not that divided, just a teensy bit. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe in this part. So Pak Sejun plays Pak Sarawi and he is a, I mean, I'm not going to get into like the whole premise of the drama, but essentially he is someone who is out for revenge. And he's out for revenge, not because he's like a bad guy, far from it. He's a very stand-up, like classic hero alpha type. However, his family has been done dirty by this like family of baddies. And the family baddies throughout the entire drama have been, the one thing they want is to like kind of like break him. And they want him often to kneel. Many times, like, you know, they're kind of having like these one-upsmanship moments and it'll be like all of your problems can go away but you gotta get on your knees and basically like lower yourself for us and this is like the thing like you know pox you can do anything but he can't do that <laughs> it's like his meatloaf moment <laughs> however through a series of unfortunate events the romantic female lead in the drama played by kim dami yi so gets kidnapped obviously, because it's a K-drama. And the big bad daddy baddie, Dae knows where she is. And Sayori is like, what do I need to do to make this happen? Like, this isn't about me now. Like, this is about, like, we need. I need to get her back. And basically, the old man, who's, like, just so full of bitterness, is like, Neel. And Sayori does. And this is a moment that, like, again, I'll get into more when we get into the Itawan podcast of why I feel like it was so compelling for the character. But for me, it was like, this was a big no for him. Like, morally, just like, he could not do this. However, when the woman who he loves was in danger, he was willing to do everything, including getting on his knees for her. And in doing so, did it lower him and decrease, like, his 
status and standard, no. I would argue it elevated it to the level of ultra hot heroes, which is where he sits to this day. 100%. It's also like a slow-mo scene. Ugh. Like, I mean, it's like, do you know what I'm saying? It's like, I almost feel like it's like, when he kneels, it's like, thud, thud. Yeah, like, it it's is. like a very... And the voiceover, like, because he's talking about how he could never do this, and he's like, suddenly, it is the easiest thing for me to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was like, good fucking lord, this is... I just watched this today, y'all, so this is, like, so fresh in my mind, and I'm so head over heels for this drama, I can't wait to talk about it, but I texted Leah, I'm like, you're gonna talk about the Neil tonight, right? You're gonna talk about the Neil." <laughs> I mean, the Neil went immediately the minute I saw it, it elevated into like the top echelons of hot hero moments for me. And there's like many hot hero moments in K-drama. And this one, it's like the kiss in Princess Bride, but they're like, it eclipses them all. Like, I feel like it's almost that good. So for me, it is the Hell Knife Bridge from Tale of the Nine-Tailed. And I, like, I'm sorry, I freaking love this scene. So Tale the Nine-Tailed is about Lee Yun. He is a Gumio, a nine-tailed fox. Um, I'm really not going to get into the whole plot because the plot doesn't make a whole lot of sense. How could you get into the How whole could- plot? Yeah, you can listen to our podcast on Tale the Nine-Tailed, which went off the rails just like the plot did. But it's still a fantastically entertaining drama. And I, to this day, like, freaking loved it. But basically, Lee Yun is in hell. He's being punished. But he knows that in the real world on the surface of the planet or whatever, uh, Gia is in danger, the love of his life, and he needs to save her. And so, you know, I guess like the hell guardian says, all right, you can get to her faster, but you have to, you know, cross this, this bridge. And it's like insane. He's wearing like just pants. He's in bare, he's, you know, bare chested, bare feet. He's crossing this bridge while, knives are literally flying at him horizontally it is amazing and the thing is he's doing this to get back to his love like so you know an iconic hero moment for me obviously all three of us mention scenes that like a hero is doing for his heroine and this was just iconic for me because well it's just crazy it's so crazy so i mean i'm always gonna love a scene that's just like fucking nuts (laughs) and this was and he does he gets back in time and and saves her because she's about to fall off a building after being chased by ghost children who never show up again and we have no idea why. <laughs> but oh my kids. Oh my god. Be with us. Be That's our mommy. I freaking love that scene. Like to this day I can picture him like bleeding crawling like like eventually he's like crawling he's like almost dying like because that's another thing too i forgot she said when you are crossing this bridge you're not going to be a gumio you're not going to have your powers you're going to be human so you're going to feel everything as if you're human so meaning obviously he's going to be in a lot more pain so he's like crawling hand over hand being you know stabbed by knives to get back to his love and it's just iconic to me it's a great scene i love it so what's a iconic romantic heroine moment so the first thing that popped into my head was a funny romantic heroine moment a lot of these scenes that we're talking about today i went back and rewatched because like i remember this but i don't remember it like super well and i want to look at it so i went back and rewatched this and i'm just like cackling while i watched it it is from my love from the star and it is super funny but i think it's also romantic so junji hyun's character song yi was nursing our boomer alien, Domin Jun, played by the pillow-lipped Kim Soo Hyun, back to health, <laughs> most likely after possibly a kiss, because what we find out, this is a spoiler now, okay? So this scene is not big spoilery, but 
this, what I'm going to tell you is a spoiler if you've not seen this drama. So cover your ears if you don't want to hear it. But the only thing that weakens our 400-year-old alien is if he swaps saliva with a human. If he swaps fluids. Makes him, like, get the flu. So she's nursing him back to health, and he's, you know, unconscious in bed, and she doesn't want to leave him alone, even though she just lives in the apartment next door. So she's staying on the floor of his bedroom, but it's cold because he's got the balcony window open, so she's staying in a sleeping bag. And it is very appropriately a sort of olive green sleeping bag that when zipped, it's, you know, one of those sleeping bags, it's like the shape of the body, sort of like the mummy shape, and has like the sewn in, you know, the quilting, so that when she is zipped in, she looks like a caterpillar. And he wakes up eventually, the room is cold, so he walks out to the balcony to go and close the sliding door. And when he comes back in, he just sees this zipped up sleeping bag on the floor. And he's like, what are you doing there? And she starts talking to him. And she's just totally zipped in, like face and everything. And we find out that she's stuck in the sleeping bag. <laughs> and she's like, can you know, can you just let me out? And he's like, he's like, why are you even here? And she's like, you know, you should be thankful. Like you were sick and I was taking care of you. And it's this like comedic back and forth. And she somehow She's wriggling around on the floor, like looks like a caterpillar inching around, somehow stands up, gets herself stood up, and is like hopping around in the sleeping bag, can't get out of it until finally like she falls and he catches her. And she's like, can you please just unzip me? And so he unzips just the top where her face is. So it's this tiny little hole with her face poking out. And she's like, thank you. And it's just, I mean, it's adorable. It's, I think it's a super romantic moment, but it's also hilarious. And I think it's one of the great things that showcases Jun Ji Hyun's like amazing physical comedic abilities. Like she's this beautiful, beautiful woman who can make you laugh until you're like peeing in your pants. So I love that scene. She is. She's so funny and so beautiful. I really do like her so much. That's a really funny scene. I loved it. Okay, so I want to talk about something because, you know, I feel like Amy's normally the one who talks about crash landing on you. (laughs) I am going to throw out a crash landing on you moment. And I thought this was a really iconic romantic heroine moment. And it was the first, for all of these, I did what was the first thing that popped in my mind because, you know, that's usually like very telling. So for me, I chose crash landing on you when, look, this is a spoiler, but come on, like, watch. Right, have you not seen this yet? Yeah. Freaking watch it. So this is this is the end. And, you know, we've got the South Korean heiress and the North Korean soldier. He's come down to South Korea to help protect her from the big baddie. That's all good. He saved the day. And now now he has to go back to North Korea. And it's like a geopolitical moment. It's very fraught. They're on like the bridge with no man's land. And like Ri Jong-hyuk is being like taken back to North Korea with all the little North Korean duckling soldiers. And Seiri shows up and freaking like runs with like, you know, like it's a very tense situation, obviously, with like, you know, anytime there's contact made between North and South Korea. So like guns are out. It's very tense. And then she just like bursts into running and is like, you know, the border's not going to hold her back from like that one last like, you know, goodbye, kiss, embrace. 
And I feel like it was a really big grand gesture. And it was a heroine's grand gesture of, you know, she she was kind of risking her personal safety. And it's just a very swoony. They have a lot of like, this is going to be our last goodbye moment. But in that time, like it really felt like at night. Yeah. As a first time watcher, I wasn't even sure. I was like, is this really like how we're going to end? I know. And so I just thought it was a very, very romantic moment of her just running. And he's like, no, no, because he like doesn't want her to be in danger. And she's like, nothing's going to stop her from like that one last kiss. I love that scene. And she's like, she doesn't even care that there's like guns drawn. She's just like, how could you leave me like this? Exactly. Like she's just, she's crying and repeating it over and over again. She's, it's like she has tunnel vision only for Captain Reed, which mm-hmm. don't be all. And she's like escaped the hospital after like almost dying of sepsis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so she still should be in the hospital and he's literally handcuffed because he's in custody because he's being taken back to North Korea after, you know, illegally entering South Korea. So it is a super tense moment and super romantic. Yeah, I love it. Good one. So I, I've mentioned this before. I don't care. I'm going to talk about it again. It's from Healer, and it's when Young Shin is hunting, is basically hunting down Healer's bunker. So at the time, Healer is devastated with grief. He is holed up in his bunker. No one can find him. Everyone's worried about him. And Young Shin is basically like, I can save him. I know I can. I can go there and I can make him better. And she doesn't know exactly where the bunker is. So she has to like, you know, really use her smarts and her like little scrappy journalistic self and find his bunker. And it's so funny too, because his bunker has almost like booby traps. Like, remember you had to like spin like a license plate or something to get like one of the doors to open. It's so funny. So there's like all these ways that she had to figure out how to get in, but she like would not give up. And she finds him in bed and he like, I don't know, hasn't eaten for three days. And oh my God. he look he looks terrible. But his sheets are pristine. But his white sheets are pristine. But she I, I love it because I just love that moment because she could have given up. Like, I don't think anyone would have blamed her. She could have just been like, I'm sorry. I don't know where his bunker is. She refused to give up. And then when he tries to make her leave, she refuses to leave because she's like, no, I'm going to be there for you. And that's like when their romance really sets fire and it's just amazing and i love it and to this day young shin's one of my favorite heroines and i think because of that i always love a good scene where like it's balanced like he's done stuff for her and she's gonna do she's gonna pay that back so i love that one and that's actually one that came to mind when i was thinking of this but i'm like i know megan's gonna do healer for this one i'm not gonna yeah, steal, i'm not gonna steal it from her <laughs> but that is i mean I that is one that. that that i think of often like i just absolutely love that i i think of her running like the dark streets trying to find his bunker all the time like she's frantically trying to find him and ugh. it's such a good drama if you've not watched healer what are you waiting for like go yeah, it really turn like turn yeah. us off right now and go watch you mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly I'll, I'll approve okay so here's a good one how about a kiss that sets the standard <sighs> <laughs> all right who wants to go first you can go first leo okay So I am going to go with Coffee Prince. And I really do like the like, I don't care if you're a man or an alien Coffee Prince kiss. But I am going to go with the kiss that I think is just chef's kiss. (laughs) And that is episode 16. And I'm going to say this is like the love kiss. Like at this Mm -hmm. point, like she comes over and she's got a game plan. <laughs> like she is going to get some hangul. <laughs> and he is, he's like a little bit demure about it all. And 
she kind of like pushes it a bit. And he's basically like does one of those like, if you come in here, like, I don't like it's so problematic in real life. But I love these moments of like, I can't be held responsible for my actions. And it's like, of yeah. course, you always should be in real life. <laughs> but we are in K-drama life where the minute she walks in, those passions are going to come out. And so yeah, he gets her up against the door. And this is like, I saw Coffee Prince pretty early in my k-drama watching and at that point you know i'd seen mostly very chaste things and then all of a sudden these two little like horny bunnies he's got her like up against the door hoiking her legs around his waist she's like got a hand up his shirt and it was just a very overt like we have feelings in our pants for each other (laughs) and tonight we are going to put those parts together and see what magic happens. <laughs> Feelings in our pants. <laughs> I love it. Okay. So for me, there's look, any, any drama with Ji Chang Wook is like my favorite kissing. Okay. So let me just say that. But I decided to pick a scene where I felt like the kiss really matter. And so I'm going to talk about happiness. So this is a spoiler because I'm talking about like the end of happiness. And I got mad because I got spoiled about happiness. So if you haven't seen happiness, skip ahead, you know, I don't know, 30 seconds or so. So in happiness, it's there's a zombie outbreak in an apartment building. Okay. And there is Poxe Bomb, who she is a police officer. And then there is Yi Hyun, who is a detective. And they're like, you know, it's it, it. what's fun is they're like best friends, but they have this like marriage of convenience. So they can share this apartment, but then the whole thing gets overrun with zombies. So that kind of sucks. But anyway, so he does. I mean, the things he does for her. I mean, she's a fully capable heroine. She's fantastic. I loved her. And yet he's like that type of hero who like lets her shine while also kind of quietly sacrificing himself for her. And he gets like bit or scratched or whatever by a zombie. And he is about to turn and he saves her. Like he stays behind in order to get her to safety out of the apartment building, but she will not leave him. So once she's like got her shit together, she like, goes back to the apartment. She like storms it with her weapons and everything. And it's fantastic. And she finds him and he is in zombie mode. Like he's on the couch. Like he knows he's, he's still like somewhat with it. And he knows he's like in zombie mode and Mm -hmm. he's on the couch. He's like cowering under a blanket and he knows he's, he's you know, and it's such a good scene. Cause he's like, he's like making zombie noises. (laughs) And he doesn't do it again. Do it again. (laughs) (laughs) And he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to like <laughs> hurt anyone. I know, like, and um, she comes in and she like, she just, she trusts him so much that he won't hurt her, even though he's like a fucking zombie. And she pets his back and just talks to him. And she's like, you know, I'm here. I'm here. I told you I'd come back for you. I won't leave you. And he like slowly raises his head and he's like back to being Yi Hun. Like he's, his you know, he's not a zombie. Yeah. Yeah. Your eyes are normal now. And they kiss. And it's just the level of trust there for me was so incredible. This was really a beautiful friends to lovers romance for me. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, real friends too. They had like the separate beds. <laughs> yeah. They, yeah. They were totally friends. But I just, I just love this scene because to me, I was like, you wanted them to kiss like the whole freaking yes. drama. And I did not expect them to kiss right after he like came out of zombie mode. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it was just such a fantastic scene, so much trust. And I just, I just, I love that kiss. A lot. That's an epic scene. I love it. It's a good drama. 
So I'm going back to to one of my my original faves, and that's Goblin. And I haven't talked about this in a while, so I'm I'm excited to talk about it. So it's kind of a two part kiss. I'm going to talk about two kisses, but they're within the same span. <laughs> if you have not watched cheating, I know, no, right? <laughs> Whatever you gave like healer the honorable mention before you went into yours, so I get to talk about. I know, two. I know. Okay, I if you have not watched Goblin, this is towards the end of Goblin, so this is a big spoiler. Okay, so. Tune out for a minute. So this is, you know, we have a flash forward in Goblin after Untak pulls out the sword and he goes off to, you know, whatever the limbo snow planet is that he's on. You know, he's gone for, what is it, like 10 years? Did he finally make it back after like 10 years? I think it's 10 years, yeah. And she has lost all memory of him because like with him disappearing, so do all, so does like all memory of him. And so she doesn't remember him. All she knows is that she has this like inherent sadness and depression that she doesn't know where it comes from. You know, she can't shake it. So it is in Quebec. She's there on, uh, I think, business. And he has basically, like, kind of followed her there. But she doesn't know who he is. And she's kind of, like, walking around Quebec. And she, it's a falling leaf that, like, sort of triggers her memory of the fall, the maple leaf that she caught when she, you know, went to Quebec the first time with Kim Shin when she was 19 and, you know, didn't know that he was a goblin until then. And long story short is all her memories start rushing back and she realizes, oh my gosh, this is what it is. This is why I'm sad. I miss you so much. And she she's running through the streets and finds this shop that has like a candle burning outside because the way to summon him is by blowing out a candle. And she blows out the candle and she's screaming and crying. I miss you. I miss you. Where are you? I miss you. I miss you. And he, of course, appears. And it's the most like emotional reunion, like, you know, a hug and a sweet kiss. And it's super, like I'm sobbing, you know. But then fast forward a little bit to back in the hotel room in Quebec. And this is after she has to fly back to Korea. Like he could just use his magic goblin door. But she's like, no, there has to be a record of me in immigration that like I came back into the country. Like we're going to have to split up right now for like 17 hours and you're going to have to wait for me. And he meets her back at the airport back in Seoul, but then uses his magic goblin door to take them back to the hotel in Quebec into the beautiful hotel room. And that's where we get the sexy kissing. And that's where you're like, oh, this drama that has been so super chased up until now, because yes, of course, like she was a student and now she's a grown adult and it is sexy time. And this is before we saw coffee prince so we didn't know how gong Yu could kiss until we saw this scene and it was quite delicious and then you know fast forward to when lee and i finally got to uh coffee prince a few dramas later and saw that up against the door kiss so this was a good precursor to that but yeah i just you know you spend most of the drama with zero kissing because they can't because she's a child and he's 900 years old and (laughs) (laughs) so they make up for it really really well in episode 15 Okay, so enough of the kissy stuff. (laughs) Let's do some action. What is an iconic action scene? Like if I say, you know, tell me something amazing, like an action moment in a drama, what jumps into your mind? I still heal her from Megan here because this is, I mean, literally, like you talk about like, you know, I'm just going to put down the first thing that comes to mind. And the first thing that comes to mind for me for this is always, always going to be. The healer, elevator, John McClane, diehard rescue. I just want to say it was. I was gonna put that as the most romantic hero moment, it, and then I saw that you too. put it, and I was like, "Look, it's fine as long as it's mentioned in this podcast." So I don't care. Well, I'm I won't. You know it. what? You could talk about the aftermath of it because I won't go there. So this 
I mean, Healer's got great action like throughout, but this scene, I just like the the baddies henchmen who like I went and rewatched this on YouTube, and like the little henchman guy, like just dressed as like the elevator, <laughs> I know, elevator service man, <laughs> oh, God. Uh, with his like creepy little smile as he's like rigging the elevator to plummet when she's in it, yeah. and so she's in this you know this elevator that is about like the wire is about to snap. What does Healer do? He, well, I mean, of course, ties himself to a fire hose to save Young Shin from the plummeting elevator. And of he course. doesn't have his Healer costume on because Healer, you know, wears wears a sort of disguise. He doesn't have his Healer costume on, but still wants to hide that he's Bong Su from work, which really isn't just another alter ego because his real name is Jung Hu. And she, she doesn't know yet that he's Healer, right? So he wraps himself in the hose and he lowers himself into the elevator, makes her pull her, cause she's got a, a winter hat on, a knit cap on, makes her pull the hat down over her eyes and grabs her. She's got, you know, her arms wrapped around him right when the elevator decides to snap and go plummeting down. And somehow he's rigged the hose to be sort of a pulley when this happens. And so the elevator goes down, they go shooting back up and she's got her arms wrapped around him and she can't see him. And it's just, you know, him saving her and not wasting a second, you know, just because he doesn't have his healer costume on. And then Megan, what happens after that? Well, that's the kiss. Right. And that's another iconic kiss. But you know, because that's he kisses her when her eyes are still covered, and it's just, and her like fingers are kind of like touching his jaw. Oh, it's so good. It's so so good. But yeah, I mean, the action moment, like, I was just like, oh, that's like 100% die hard, and I love it. Yep. Because then the healer theme plays, like, the total, like, synth music, like, (laughs) that, like, I love, (laughs) and it totally, like, triggers, like, all my healer feels, and I was like, "I, I need to watch this drama again. Yeah. Okay. So for me, mine is one that neither of you have watched yet. And honestly, I think that you both would enjoy it. I'm kind of like middle of the road with it, but I do think it was a cool concept. And that is Memories of the Alhambra. And in it, we see Hyunbin is kind of a very astute CEO of like a tech gaming company type thing. And he has been kind of like called out to Granada, Spain, because of course, why would you not? But anyway, there's a Korean family that live there. And there is kind of like this elusive gaming genius who is there and he is meant to meet up with him. And through a series of more unfortunate events, (laughs) this gamer is missing. However, he gets access to the game, which you play by putting like contact lenses into your eyes. And it's totally amazingly crazy awesome. Like I wish these games existed. So he's like in this like historic, ancient Spanish town. And all of a sudden, like the world just starts to come alive around him, like statues come to life and you're like fighting things. (laughs) And it's just so awesome. And I just really am ready for the future. And I want to be this like wild granny that just playing like augmented reality and like LARPing in the park or something because it's really fun looking. And it just is so cool that like as like you move through the town, people are just like, and so it becomes like a thing because the game comes out and people are just obsessed with it. You just see like random people and like you can like grab swords out of like thin air. So like you look ridiculous if you're just like on the street. It's like when we play Supernatural. You don't look good if you're not (laughs) in it. 
But if you're in it, it looks amazing. And it was just really creative and the visuals were really good. Yeah. So I would say that for me, that was just like a really fun action scene that like I still think about because I really want to play games like that. So what's really funny, you're just making me think of so, you know, I learned about the Oculus and Supernatural from playing with my son's Oculus and then ended up getting one of my own. And he was playing VR in the basement and I went downstairs to tell him something and he has the Oculus on and he's like, what's up? You know, and he starts talking to me, but he's still like playing. And I'm like, are you, are you doing something with swords right now? <laughs> Cause I could just <laughs> tell the emotions he was making. He's like, yep. And I'm like, it's just so funny. Like, cause you're right, Leah. Like it looks so silly when you're not in yeah. it, but I'm sure inside his headset, he's like holding this badass sword and, you know, and yeah, you're game. awesome. Yeah. So it was really totally. funny. Okay, so this was a hard one for me because I love action dramas, as you all know. So look, I'm going to mention two, but I'm going to do, I'll do it quickly, I promise. So the first one is again from Tale of the Nine-Tailed, which had tons of fun action scenes. But there is a scene where Lee Yun and his brother, Lee Rang, and they're kind of like estranged brothers. So that's why this scene's really cool too, is because there's like some tension to it. They're like fighting, but yet they are stuck in this like forest full of zombies basically and they have to fight off the zombies so they have to work together to do it that's always my favorite when there's like they're adversaries but yet they have to work together in a way yeah and so lee rang has his like hatchet i think and lee yun has his like sword and they turn back to back and they're fighting i mean the back to back lee brothers scene it's amazing is awesome okay and then i have to mention Lawless Lawyer. So Anoju, I'll mention him later as a favorite villain moment. But okay, so in this drama, he I mean, he's a total villain. Okay, and the hero Bong Sang Pil is played by Lee Junki. So Lee Junki is in the hospital and he is recovering from like a stab wound that he got in prison because of course, and Anoju shows up and there this it's like this tense moment because Lee because Bong Sang Pil is like, are you going to kill me here in this hospital bed? And then all of a sudden all the lights go off in the hospital and basically like a whole nother like gangster clan is coming to kill Bong Sang Pil and they're going to take out Anoju if he's in if he's in his way or if he's in their way. And basically, I mean, they hate each other. They want to kill each other. Anoju killed Bong Sang Pil's mom, which isn't a spoiler because you learn that right away. So they are like total villains, but yet they each, they fight because they're basically like, no one's killing you unless it's me. So they fight together and they fight like a whole freaking gang like of 30 like, dudes. Like, oh my God. Like black clad villains. It is a amazing and they're like so beat up and there's this one scene where like you know they're fighting and then they get in an elevator just the two of them and go down and it's like this moment of like silence and they're both like breathing hard and then the elevator doors open and they start fighting again (laughs) (laughs) i love that action scene so much and again it's that thing where like people have to work together who don't really want to work together you know what i mean adversaries Mm -hmm. working together is always going to be kind of my thing so i feel like it's a really easy theme to like see what i like yes (laughs) Well, what I love is that, you know, you watched Lawless Lawyer before we did, and you told us about this scene. And so when I got there, you know, it's like one of those things, like, is this scene going to live up to, like, what Megan said about it? And it, like, 100% did, like, and more. Like, it's such a fantastic scene. It's such a good scene. And it's like Bong Sang Pill and his, like, little, like, hospital, like, scrubs. (laughs) Yeah. And Anoju and all his badassness. It's just such a great scene. And you know he's wearing toe socks in his shoes. You know it. You know it. Toe socks that 
I wouldn't mind wearing. After. <laughs> oh, <laughs> gross! So, <laughs> sweaty toe socks, kink. Um. So anyway, uh, an iconic moment. This was one I did, obviously. An iconic moment that makes your Grinch heart melt. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I am going to literally spoil the like almost the last scene of "It's Okay to Not Be Okay." So. If you've not seen this amazing drama, don't, this is a big part, okay? Or if you haven't seen it and you still want to listen, that's fine as well. So to give like just a little bit, a little teeny tiny bit of backstory is the two main male leads are Songte and Gangte, and they are brothers. And Gangte, who's played by Kim Soo-hyun, Songte, played by Oh Jung-se, is, he's playing uh, a man who is on the autism spectrum. And Gangte has been looking out for him, like basically like living his life to protect his brother ever since their mom was murdered. The mom being murdered is not a spoiler, like the whole drama like hinges on this. And he has had a hard life. Gangte has had a, a hard life because he has only existed for his brother. And he put this burden on himself. It wasn't like anybody asked him to do it. And it wasn't like Sangte was really a burden, but it took Gangte a really long time to realize that Sangte could be self-sufficient. And so it is the mm-hmm. very end of the drama. Like Sangte and Komun Young, who is the heroine, they wrote a book together and it's this beautiful book about finding my real face. And it's all about like, you know, learning who you are and the emotion to express, you know, how you feel. And Sangte is deciding that he's he's ready to live independently. And He's going to live his life separately from his brother. And Gangte asks if he'll be okay if he won't need Gangte. And Sangte responds with, Moon Gangte belongs to Moon Gangte. Mm. And he understands that Gangte, for however many years since their mother was murdered, has existed solely to take care of him. And he wants them to live autonomously now. And I don't know, like, no matter how stone cold Grinch of a heart you have, like, how can you watch the scene and not just turn into like a pile of goo? Because it is the most wonderful, loving moment between brothers. And I will never forget the scene lives forever in my mind. Yeah, super lovely. Look, I went for something that was not quite so lovely, but it still made my Grinch heart melt. So I guess this is a loose definition or loose, you know, category. And, you know, we recently put out a snack or I recently put out a snack about Descendants of the Sun, a drama Megan hasn't watched yet. And that, you know, Amy didn't really care for a great deal. And I was kind of middle of the road. I enjoyed it. It doesn't live in my mind, but there is a moment that has made me melt. And if I watch any clips and I see it, I get like these little butterfly feelings. And so this isn't really a spoiler. I feel like this is, if you've seen anything about Descendants of the Sun, they show this moment because look, it's just awesome. (laughs) And the premise of Descendants of the Sun is this idea of like, what is more noble to save lives as a medical doctor or to take lives as a soldier, like in the act of you know, fighting for, you know, your country and your nation. And so there's like the alpha squad, they're like the hotshots. And this doctor falls in love with the head of this unit whose code name is Big Boss, which is also amazing. And so, you know, they try to date in South Korea, and it just doesn't work. Like they both have very intense jobs. She's a doctor, she's always getting called in, or he's getting called out to like conflict. So kind of like all falls apart. 
However, they reunite in the fictional country of Urk. That is right, Urk. There's a fictional country? Oh shit, you didn't tell me this. (laughs) Yeah, so the fictional country of Urk. And she is there to do kind of like humanitarian aid. And the hotshots get called in for, you know, a lot of reasons. So she's on the tarmac and she is watching the helicopter land with like the hotshots in it, including Ambo Yun, I might say, who is Piccolo, one of the soldiers. (laughs) And she's got a like a headscarf on. And as the helicopter goes overhead, her scarf flies off onto the tarmac. And then we see the helicopter land and the A-team gets off and they are so swaggery and they are so in their military uniforms and big boss played by Song Joon-ki. Look, he really does do a great job in this role, in my opinion. And he is nothing but like tiny compact King swagger as he walks across the tarmac and she's in his line of sight and she's looking at him like, oh, damn. <laughs> and he just fully dead asses her and doesn't even look at her and walks past her. And he's got his aviators on and he just looks like a freaking like take me to Urk. And as soon as he passes her, her little scarf's on the tarmac. He bends over and picks it up and then turns around and hands it to her. And it's just this like, I don't know. It's just so good. And I don't know how to say it. He just walks like he is a god. (laughs) And every time I see like a clip for it, it makes me freaking swoon and my heart melts. It is a good scene. I will say that as much as this drama didn't really get me where, where I wanted it to. That is a pretty iconic scene. I have seen that clip. So I haven't seen the drama, but I have seen that clip and it's really damn good. So for me, first of all, I'll say the whole drama of tomorrow. So if you <laughs> want to know what I'm saying, go listen to our drama um, podcast because this freaking dog named Kong definitely made my <laughs> heart melt in a way I didn't expect. But the one I'm going to mention is actually from Reply 1988. And so it is basically all the parents in the neighborhood want to get a snowman for the uh, the little girl. So all the parents in the neighborhood want to get Jinju a snowman for Christmas because that is what she wants. And no one's rich. Well, there is one rich family, but I just mean, you know, they really want to get her something special because she doesn't believe. Oh, I know why. Someone spilled the beans and told her Santa Claus doesn't exist. And so they really want her to kind of believe. What? Spoiler! (laughs) what i mean spoiler for life yeah spoiler for life so (laughs) and they really want her to like believe in the magic so they're like okay she said she wants a snowman we gotta get her a snowman and i mean the whole neighborhood comes together to get this ice they make it into a snowman it's a whole thing and then they wake up in the morning and there is a warm spell and it and it melts and i am like Mm -hmm. i mean i I like could not I love the scene that the whole neighborhood came together for this little girl like that is gonna make my heart melt and then the funniest part is her brother Sunwoo who we all love he goes and like gets her like an, it's like a ice cream thing from the shop on a on a stick and he's like what was that this is what she means it's just she just wants ice cream that's what she calls snowman and they're all like oh my gosh because <laughs> they tried to and it's just it's just the whole scene I just love that they all wanted to do something really special for this little girl. And Jinju was like the cutest little thing. And yeah, I love that scene. That's such a cute scene. I love it. Yeah. And now it's time for our favorite segment. 
of the week, and I can't even imagine what Megan's going to talk about for our K-pop wreck of the week. But Megan, do you have something for us? I'm so excited! So ATs is back, and I, like I just cannot be more excited, guys. This is like I've been full into this comeback. I have been voting on the music shows. I've been crazy. Okay, I've been a full crazy person. Yeah. So Gorilla by ATs. And Gorilla, it's like Gorilla Warfare. So it's G-U-E-R-I-L-L-A, not like Gorilla the Animal. It's out. It's so intense. It makes me want to take over the world. So I just need to briefly explain that there is, ATs has a lore. And their lore basically is there is a, an alternate dimension where all types of like art and emotion is forbidden. And what they're trying to do is with their music, with their dancing, with their art, they're trying to break free of that control and they want everyone to you know <laughs> express themselves and everything and so their music is just like that's what it feels it feels like you want to just like break through you know like in the song there's like mm-hmm. they yell like break the wall like over and over again and you're like yeah man i want to like run through a wall like the kool-aid man like i like feel it <laughs> Like, I truly feel like I can take over the world. So, anyway, I love it. I'm so excited. They're doing great as of recording. They've had two music show wins, which I realize if you're not a K-pop person, that might not mean anything to you, but it's kind of a big deal. So, yeah. Anyway, I'm just so excited as an A-teeny that they're here and their album is amazing. I've listened to it nonstop, but um, the song is called Gorilla by A-T's. If you enjoy our podcast, you have our patrons to thank, at least in part. Afternoon of Delight Patreon allows us to keep creating content for y'all to enjoy. Thank you so much to everyone who is supporting us there. And not to brag, but our Patreon community is pretty awesome. And you can join at a tier that feels good to you. Gain access to fun perks like K-drama posts, monthly Patreon-only bonus podcasts, and even a live K-drama support group on Zoom. Because we know firsthand what it's like to have no one to talk to about those crazy plot twists, amazing characters, and all those feelings. And look, no one should have to walk that walk alone. So learn more by visiting AfternoonAdelight.com. That's www.AfternoonAdelight.com. And hey, while you're on the website, you can check out Afternoon Delight podcast merch, find links to book recommendations, bop along to our K-pop recs, up your skin with K Mertrex. Find all of our social media and a link to our email so you can send us recommendations or feedback. And hey, while you're at it, why don't you pop over to Spotify or Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review? It really helps with our discoverability. Gamsamnida. So we've talked about kisses, we've talked about action. Let's talk about villains. What is, for you, an iconic villain moment in K-drama? Okay, so this, I'm going to talk about a drama that uh, neither of you have seen as well. And this is from the drama Strong Woman, Dobong Su. And look, I don't think this is really a spoiler. This is kind of like, just like, honestly, the first time you kind of encounter the villain. And so the villain in this is a character by the name of uh, Gim Jang Hyun. And he is obsessed with the tale of Bluebeard and his seven wives. And the actor who plays him, um, 
Jong Mi Kwan got into character apparently by studying Christian oh, Bale and American Psycho. <laughs> so look, this drama like promises itself to be like this like cutie rom com about like a girl with superpowers and like you know Park Young Sik is so cute, and then we just have this like fucking psychotic <laughs> bad guy, <laughs> and he wears a mask that feels like Jason from Halloween. Except like worse, but it's like silicon. Wait, 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 like, wait, wait. Jason is from Friday the Thirteenth. Michael. Oh my god. Okay, sorry. Okay, okay. Thank, of course, thank you, ticker tape. <laughs> this is important. Yeah, Michael Myers. He wears a mask that feels like Michael Myers from Halloween. So like that, like weird white mask. He's got something like that, except it's got no hair on it. And apparently the hair makes it feel less scary. No <laughs> hair is worse. <laughs> and he collects these women to be his brides, and he wants them to get skinny to fit into his tiny what? wedding dresses. No one told me yeah. that this drama has And that. I'm going to say that in real life, this actor is hot AF. But not the character people. So I've seen some like online stuff be like, oh, he's so cute. I'm like, yeah empirically he's very cute like i will watch other things and he is cute but he is not <laughs> to be cuted out in this he is a freaking psycho and then also i just have a side mention we already touched it on it once but when we're watching lawless lawyer and we it is revealed that anoju does in fact like to wear toe socks <laughs> <laughs> and a bad guy who wears gray toe socks i don't know what it does i don't know why i find him attractive i just do and you can listen to the lawless lawyer where i get nasty and i won't do it now thank you yeah i mean speaking of anoju i mean he's my iconic villain moment my iconic villain of all time so anoju is played by choi min su just for the record so in Lawless Lawyer, again, he's the villain, but there's also another big baddie villain and they kind of work together and he's a little bit of like her dog, but it gets to the point where he breaks away from her. And in order, and, and that's who, that's the big baddie that Bong Sang-pil, the, the hero wants to take down is, is, is the, the, the woman judge. And he needs Anoju to kind of roll over on her but of course anoju is going to do it like in his way okay and so he's been like beat to hell he's kind of all on his own but he decides look i'm gonna i'm gonna save my skin the only way i know how and he shows up the courtroom and again he's wearing like a sling but he still has his like suit on he's got his gold chain he's got his shoes he's got a hair slick back and the courtroom doors, they say, basically, they say, you know, we, we, we have a, we have a witness that we want to bring in. And the doors like open in slow mo and Anoju struts in. And I swear to God, I screamed while I was watching it. Oh, I loved it so much. It's just an iconic moment because you know that that is like the tides turning on the whole drama when that happens. You know, like shit's about to hit the fan and it does. The, the like I said the the like revenge plot of Lawless Lawyer is very very cool. Yeah, it is. This is oh, a really good it. scene. I love that one. So okay, I'm I'm gonna spoil a drama here because I need to talk about this villain. So please close your listening holes if you have not seen Flower of Evil because I this is definitely a drama <laughs> you don't want spoiled for you because there's so many twists in it. So it is by by and large like one of my favorite dramas. So please 
If you even think you have this tiny inkling that you might watch it, don't listen to what I'm going to say because it's a huge spoiler. But if you have seen it, you're going to know what I'm talking about here. Okay. It takes us a long time in Flower of Evil to know who the real villain is. But when we finally Mm. meet him, he is something to behold. And I'm talking about Kim Ji-hoon as the real Becky Sung. And aside from his creepy oma when he comes out of his years-long coma, (laughs) what I remember and love about this villain is that when he is ready to get down to evil business, his tell is that he gets like crazy eyes and his hair, because his hair is overgrown because he's been in a coma for however many years. And he didn't, he decided not to get a haircut when he came out of his coma. He just wanted to get back to killing. <laughs> so whenever he's ready to get down and dirty, he gets the crazy eyes and then he pulls his hair into a ponytail. Oh <laughs> and again, this is like another very good looking man playing a very creepy dude. Um, and doing it so, so well. And I just, yeah, I love it. Like, he gets his ponytail, and then we just know some shit is about to go down when he pulls the hair back. And people gonna get killed. He's gonna so, get to yep, killing. Like, <laughs> and mommy and daddy are gonna yeah. cover it up. Because he's yeah, like, oh, my. So great. Wakes oh, up and he's just like, oh, my. <laughs> so funny. I mean, seriously, if, if I did just spoil the drama for you, like, I'm sorry. You were warned, but like there are so many amazing twists in this drama, and he is truly like a creepy, but also at times funny because of the extent of his creepiness villain. And he's also very cute. I said that like he's a very good looking man. Yeah. But in yeah. Case, in in real life. In real life, yes. <laughs> okay. So what's an iconic moment that just made you cry your soul out? This scene. Oh boy. Um, I've talked about the scene before, but probably the scene where I cried the hardest out of any of any key drama, I think. So this is what I call the reset scene and I am not a robot. I actually wouldn't say that this is a huge spoiler for the whole drama, but if you don't want to be spoiled at all, obviously I'm I'm gonna fully spoil this scene. But again, I don't I don't know if it would necessarily spoil a whole lot for you. So quick, I'm not a robot. Kim and Q is a completely isolated millionaire with a allergy to humans and he is given a robot to test and the scientists end up having a woman pretend to be a robot because their actual robot is still needs to be fixed so they're like just pretend to be this robot for like just a little bit but you know they at first it's just two hours but then it turns into like days and so this is a very advanced robot obviously she looks very human because she is human, but even the, the robot itself <laughs> looks human. And Kim and Q is so isolated, and he's really never had any friends. His his parents died early, and he basically befriends this robot. And the robot has what's called friend mode, which is honestly a genius part of the storytelling of this drama, because mm. that's how they're able to like form a friendship, even though she's a robot. It's really kind of crazy. Again, you have to trust us. This mm-hmm. drama is amazing. But it's driving him crazy because he's like falling in love with her. But he's he's like, it's a robot. Like, what's wrong with me? Like, I, I'm falling in love with a robot. Like, clearly, I need help. And so it's driving him so crazy that he knows he has to do something. And that is, he, he's basically like, he says to them, like, I, I, I don't want this 
anymore. And so they decide to, you know, take pity on him and they're like, okay, you can reset her. So obviously the Gia is the heroine and she has this like fake button on her neck. And it's so hard because at the time she's falling for him as well. Like she's really, she's falling in love with him. He's falling in love with her, but she can't tell him the truth because it could, it could kill him because his allergy kind of acts up, especially when there's been like betrayal. So she can't tell him and he basically has to erase the memory of what this is what he thinks he he thinks he's erasing the memory of really the only friend he's had i mean he has not had a friend since he was like a child and that friend betrayed him and he's just alone he's alone and lonely and he again has to essentially like just erase his only friend and he's crying so hard. And you, you, at this point, you love Kim Min Kyu in this drama. I mean, you feel for him. Yoo Sung Ho plays him and it's incredible. And he's reaching behind her to press the button. And she is, she is dying inside, but she can't react because she's supposed to be a robot. So she can't be like crying. She can't be emoting, but they're kind of like hugging as he's like pressing the button on her neck. And you do see that she is like, she's breaking inside. And it's just everything leading up to that moment, at, like you felt that connection between them. And this is like, this is ending it. I mean, it's like uh, an end, at least as far as Kim and Q thinks. And he's mm-hmm. devastated. And he basically says three, two, one, and he presses the button. Ugh, and it, uh, I know the moment seriously. he presses the button, you can tell he like regrets it. It is horrible. Mm-hmm. It's horrible. Because you want them to be happy and you know that they kind of could be if things were obviously different. And it's just, I cried. I cried so hard. My face was swollen for hours. I, I, you know, I just love that scene. I just call it the reset scene from I'm Not a Robot. Because to me, it's absolutely iconic. Yeah. I was scrolling through the script today just to see what you guys put because I had filled it out last night before mm-hmm. you guys did. And so I was scrolling through and I saw that and I immediately, like, I, I felt like somebody right. punched me in the gut. And all you, all Megan wrote was, I am not a robot. Yeah, reset. that's all I wrote. Like, that's all she wrote. And I just felt like yeah, I was going to burst into tears. <laughs> like, this is killing me. Anyway, it's so fantastic. Yes. If you haven't seen that drama, what are you doing? And I'm going to talk about one that I've talked about before. To the extent where people just know that I'm, I like to torture myself. So spoilers, spoilers again, if you haven't watched Goblin, I'm going to the end of Goblin again, but even further into the end than I did before. So will it ever be anything other than Kim Shin saying goodbye to Untak in the tea house when she dies in Goblin? Gong Yu acting in this scene is like, I have a visceral reaction to this. My body reacts without my consent. And I am a fucking mess. But it doesn't keep me from watching this scene over and over again, which I have. I also do want to give an honorable mention to the end of Uncontrollably Fond. I won't even say what it is. If you know, you know. For weeks after that drama, I was bereft as if I'd actually lost somebody that I knew and loved. But I will never rewatch that pain again. Because that drama ends with pain. (laughs) Whereas Goblin ends Mm -hmm. with hope. Okay. I'm going to recommend this drama to both of you. And you're going to think I'm stupid when I tell you this sad part because it's very sad. So (laughs) this is a spoiler. Plug your ears if you have not watched Fated to Love You or want to know nothing about it. So except Megan and I can't. So we have to listen. (laughs) 
So Fated to Love You is the story of a quirky, quirky as fuck, Chabel Lee Gun, who's played by Jong Hyuk. And the timid little office mouse of Gimme Young, played by Jong Nera. And this is an over-the-top drama that honestly does go a few episodes too long. Like It would have been in my top top if it was like 16, but it went a little too long. But honestly, I don't care because I love it. And I've seen it described as a rom-com in the first half and a melodrama in the back nine. And look, I don't <laughs> disagree. <laughs> so Lee Gun is not this like rich jerk, but he's this super weird hero. And he's got a very unsettling laugh that he uses to his advantage. And everyone around him is constantly like, is he a buffoon? But then he's like the smartest guy in the room. So he's like very funny and super weird. And he's also very endearing. And he's in big, big love with this ballerina who he wants to propose to. They've been together for quite some time. He is ready to propose to her. And Mi Young, who works in the office and is known as like the post-it girl, basically somebody that you can like assign a task to and then forget about, she's sick of being a wallflower and she decides to let loose a little. So through a series of hijinks and drugs and a series of unfortunate or fortunate events, they end up having a one night stand that neither of them intends to, not even knowing who each other are. Like they both think they're someone else (laughs) and it works. And when they come to, they're not enemies about it, but like that wasn't intended. They weren't meaning to sleep with the other. And dun dun dun, because they've like, you know, bunked uglies, they're going to now be parents. So this sets up the rom-com. Like these two very, like very different people end up having this very bizarre one night stand and they're going to have a baby. And it is really cute because like they decide to name, she nicknames the baby dog poopy. Because, like, that was her nickname when she was going to be a baby, like, when she was going to be born. And it was bad luck to, like, name the baby. So they call it Dog Poopy. And apparently it's, like, adorable to call the baby Dog Poopy. So there's a lot with Dog Poopy. Like, there's birth classes. They really start to fall in love. And it's all hinging on Dog Poopy. So my tears come because an accident occurs. Young has an accident. And Lee Gun is forced at the hospital to choose between Dog Poopy or Young. Oh God! Me young, and when she wakes up, realizing the baby is gone, mm. <laughs> let me just say, I fucking howled. Yeah, like I'm a sure. wounded. Yes. Dog. Oh my gosh. So this is a spoiler. The lead up to it is great, and the resolution, while it drags out, is very solid. But I did not expect the accidental baby, aka the fetus, to peace out. Yeah. <laughs> and while it helps the story and ultimately works. Like, my God. (laughs) Right. Like, holy hell. Yeah, it's very emotional. Yeah. Like, she is devastated and plays it well. And he is devastated as well. (laughs) Yeah, I would have, I would have dehydrated myself. Yeah, it's like, you know, I just wasn't thinking they were going to kill the baby. And then the dog poopy just freaking bites it. And you're just like, what? Anyway, I still really like it. And I like to be surprised, but that hurt. Okay, so we have the sads. But what's a moment that made you wet your pants? (laughs) In a happy way. (laughs) Or a thirsty way. I don't even remember the context of this thing happening, and it doesn't matter just that it happened. So it's Hospital Playlist, where for whatever reason, my favorite, favorite liver doctor, Leek June, played by Jo Jung-suk, just starts crab walking. (laughs) 
Like they're, I think they're in the basement where they where the band usually practices, right? Because it's at it's at the it's at the house where they do the band practice, and he just starts walking around the room like a crab. And I found the scene on I found the scene on YouTube because I was just I was like I remember this, but like why did it happen? And I couldn't find enough of it to find out why he was doing it. But there's so much that he does that it doesn't matter anyway. Like he is the goofiest. He's like the goofiest, sexiest character. And I just, I love, I love him in this drama. And the crab walk just makes me cackle. And I mean, like this guy starts out the drama, like season one, episode one, stuck in a Darth Vader helmet and has to perform surgery wearing a Darth Vader helmet. So that just sort of like, you know, sets the tone for what this character is going to be like. Yeah, he just crab walks. And I don't know why I love it, but I do. Okay, I'll go next. Uh, Reply 1988 for me. And this is Boner Alley. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I talked about Boner Alley before. Megan's talked about Boner. We've all talked about Boner we Alley. We love Boner Alley. And it was just so funny because I was kind of just shocked it was happening. So essentially what it is, is two of the characters, um, I won't get into too many details because I don't want to spoil Reply 1988 much at all. Two of the characters towards the beginning, like it's in the third episode, you know, they were kind of like out on like a student excursion and there's some hijinks and they end up getting busted by teachers and all the students are running and two of them end up in this very tiny alley. There is not much room. One's a boy, one's a girl. They've known each other their whole lives. And as they stand pressed pelvis to pelvis in this tiny alley, the guy starts to pop a boner. And you can only tell by his facial expression and <laughs> the fact he is hating life so much. The and acting so, of him yeah, in that moment that you so- know he has a boner without any words is amazing. Yeah. And he's just looking to the sky like, God damn. And it's amazing. And then I want to give a special shout out to Yumi Cells 2, which neither of you are watching. But the conceit you're aware of, it's kind of like that movie Inside Out where, you know, it's the cells are, it's the emotional inner lives are played by cartoons that are cells. And they all, all, every nuance of your personality has a cell. And so in Yumi's village, there's an area that's all about fan clubs and Horny Cell, who is an amazing cell, who just runs around in like little underwear and has dirty thoughts. <laughs> Horny Cell is the captain of the Gong Yu Club. <laughs> you I love know, it. Like, I love when it. When that popped up, I laughed so hard. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm going to talk about Mr. Queen. I think Mr. Queen is one of the funniest dramas, especially in like the earlier episodes. Towards later, it gets obviously a little bit more dramatic, but it is so, so funny especially in the in the earlier scenes. So it is a time travel body swap drama. So basically a chef named Zhang Bengwan get he like falls or gets pushed off his balcony, falls into the pool of his apartment complex. And all of a sudden, he's like thrust back into Joseon era. And he's in a woman's body. So obviously, like that whole stuff is like just him figuring out he's got a different body is so freaking hysterical. But the best part is he's trying to like go back. And he's like, I need water. I need a body of water. And so he, there's this like big lake in this, in the like royal grounds. And he's so excited. He like, he's got his skirts on. And of course, this is a woman, but I'm saying he, you know what I mean? Anyway, it's confusing. So he's like marching down there with all his like ladies in waiting and his skirts. And he's just like, yay, a lake. And he like leaps. And, and it, you know, there's like a crescendo of sound and all of a sudden he falls down and just flat on his face because the, the whole lake has been drained. And it's like amazing because he's just, he's just like got mud. He's just lying there like, oh my God, 
I thought I was going to, and you know, there's mud all over him and he's supposed to be like, you know, a proper lady. It's just so, so funny. It's so funny. But I do like our Mr. Queen podcast. It is one of my faves. Yeah. Because we were a house divided in that too. <laughs> but I loved a lot about it and that the, the humor of Mr. Queen to me is some of the best humor in a K-drama I've seen. It's fantastic. So let's wrap this up with something fun. Let's wrap it up. Just one iconic moment that lives in your head rent-free. I won't even spoil the scene. I'm just going to say it is crash landing on you, and it is Captain Rhea on the motorcycle. In slow-mo. In slow-mo. Rent-free. It's a gif in my mind over and over again. As it should be. So I am an a-hole, and I pick two, because I guess I'm an asshole, but it's my time, my drama. So the first one is Big Drone Energy from When the Camellia Blooms. If you know, you know, I just think, you know, obviously I love it. I've named one of our Patreon categories, <laughs> like after it, we, we all have gotten behind this scene. Yes. And then the other one is from Mr. Sunshine. And it is when Gu Dong Mei reaches out and touches Go Asian's skirt. <laughs> Absolutely. And the Iconic. silk is going through his longing, murdery, <laughs> obsessed fingers oh it's so great that was another scene where you described it to me and i was like okay i mean it did sound like a really awesome but then and i was wondering if like the impact would be lessened when i watched it and it was not that scene still felt just as amazing when i watched it yeah it's just iconic so mine basically revolve around on Hyun. so uh for those who've seen itawan class we already mentioned it there is he's a he's he's a baddie in the beginning and he's a baddie with really badly dyed orange hair oh so bad it's a little bit of a spoiler not really though because you kind of learned this out but anyway he um he goes to prison (laughs) and for a while you think he's like the drama like doesn't talk about him so you're not really sure like if he's gonna come back or not or if he's just like gone Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden they like show there's like this scene where they show like a prison and there it's like a slow zoom up from like a guy's feet up his legs and he's doing push-ups and all of a sudden it reaches his face and it's fucking Anbo Hyun sweaty muscled with black dripping hair and he looks ready for revenge and I remember screaming because it's not that I wanted him to win but I wanted a good show and a good show means the baddie coming back. He is a bad baddie too. Mm, it was just, it's just an iconic scene for me, honestly. And he was so, really hot. Yeah. I mean, that scene where, cause he finally got rid of like the bad orange hair and he's got like the dripping black hair. And I was like, yes, on both young. And I just love his crazy eyes. Yeah. Like, he's got such amazing eyes. And he he's got the crazy laugh too in this one. Ooh, he does. Like, his laugh I, is really good. I, I fucking love him. Just everything he does is as iconic to me. I mean, like I, Two other iconic scenes that, like, I thought of, they involve him. I just feel like the camera loves to do some sort of, like, slow-mo thing on him. Like, in Military Prosecutor Dobin, there's this scene where he, like, puts on his, like, prosecutor robe and it, like, flaps out in the, you know, like, behind him and he throws mm-hmm. open the courtroom doors and I'm like, yeah! It's just everything with him. That was a fun list of things to talk about. That was really fun. I had a really fun time. And I love, like Leah said, this just came out like organically. Like we were just having a discussion in Slack and we were like, we should talk about this on Wednesday. Like, why are we not talking about this in a pod? And so we are. What's well, fun to do. And it's fun to talk about stuff you love. 
So you're welcome, everyone. <laughs> and yeah, I think that what we are going to be doing in the next like week or two is kind of getting together. Even though it's the beginning of August, we have to look ahead and kind of coming up with what our fall watch schedule is going to look like. Because we have, you know, we've got some great content planned through September. And then we have to really figure out like what we want to do next. And that's always fun when we get to plan what fun dramas are on the deck. For yeah. Us. And so, you know, let us know what you want us to watch, basically. But also, also let us know your favorite iconic moments if we missed them. Cause yeah, I'm sure that of. everyone has like their own <laughs> special one. So I think you know, we'll put this yes. on the um, Instagram when it comes out uh, and yeah. let you have a chance to get off your chest and unburden yourself. I think that's going to be it for us for this week. And, you know, we've got the last few, you know, for us, just the last week left of summer before we get back into the school grind here. So by the time I'm potting again, it's we're gonna be back at school. That's crazy. Oh my gosh. Well, until then, I guess we're just gonna say Kamsabni Da. Thank you for listening to Afternoon of Delight. Where can you find us outside the pot? Head on over to afternoonadelight.com. That's A-F-T-E-R-N-O-O-N-A-D-E-L-I-G-H-T dot com. You'll find links to all our social media, our book recs, K-pop and K-skincare recs, and if you want even more Afternoon of Delight, because really who doesn't, you can join our Patreon, where you can choose the patron level that's right for you. Join in daily K-drama conversations, listen to bonus podcast episodes just for patrons, and participate in our monthly live K-drama support group via Zoom. We can't wait for you to be a part of the community. Until next time, Annyeong!